Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome to the Woo Curious Podcast, your map to the mystical, your key to the sacred, and your guide back home to yourself. I'm Eileen, a writer, a spiritual coach, energy healer, and slow living witch. And I'm Ellie, a sacred sensuality facilitator, a spiritual coach, and an anointing priestess. This podcast is your invitation to explore a world where the mundane and the sacred intertwine. It is a haven for those ready to take the first steps into the realm of magic and mystery, providing a safe space for you to embark on your own enchanted journey. Here we'll unveil the whispers of the mystical, the rituals often hidden in plain sight, and the ceremonies that will stir your soul. We're all about demystifying woo and witchcraft, making these ancient practices accessible to all. So whether you're a seasoned seeker or simply woo curious, we are here to guide you on your path to self-discovery, healing, and empowerment. So join us as we light the way and invite you to rediscover your true essence. Hey, Woo Crew. Welcome back. We're here with episode nine Nine of the Woo Curious podcast. And today we're going to be talking all about navigating self-discovery. It's going to be a little bit more of a conversational episode. But first, we want to start a new tradition because we just love reading your reviews. And so each week, we're going to pick a review to read on the pod. So if you haven't left us one yet, go and do it so that you too can hear your words <laughs> in one of our voices. So this week, we are reading a review from Be Free Amy on Apple Podcasts. And she says, I couldn't wait to hit play on this beautiful creation from two incredible humans I've come to know and love. I love the title, the concept, and the offerings and topics I know you will share and illuminate on this show. Woohoo! Can't wait for more. <laughs> Thanks so much, Amy. Thank you. Okay, Woo Crew, we want to talk about what magical things have happened to us in the last week. So we want to encourage you as well, if you follow, follow us on, come share with us what sort of magical things have happened to you. But Eileen, tell me, what magical thing happened to you in the last week? Mm-hmm. This week's been a busy one, and... I knew the question was coming and I I wasn't prepared, <laughs> but last night it's, as I've mentioned, been quite busy. And last night, my partner came to me. We were watching a show, eating dinner, finished dinner, and he got up to clear the dishes and he was like, turn that off, go pour yourself a bath. So that's like my little glimmer of, oh yes, right. There is rest to be had. And I've got somebody who's so good at looking out for me when I need to take a moment that was pretty magical to be able to be told what I needed and <laughs> for it to be really true and gave space. me the permission to do that. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? What's magical for you? I love that. I also love that, like the simplicity and just taking a bath, like, mm -hmm. oh, so good. The magical things that happened to me, I feel like in the last week there's been a few, but what was really magical to me is that I did a challenge in my Facebook group, the Matriarch Collective, about sacred pleasure so it's just a 10-day sacred pleasure retreat excuse me challenge and it was so nice I went back last night and and read all of the comments I did a, a giveaway in the group and it was so nice just to see like how many people participated what they had to say 
and that there's so much wrapped up in our pleasure. And you reminding me the simplicity of taking a bath. That was one of the days of the challenge was just go take a bath, add mm -hmm. anything that you want in there. And I think that we really do the work that we do because we need it ourselves. Like I heard you say, you know, there, there is the rest that is needed and that's exactly what you focus on in your work. And so, mm -hmm. you know, bringing the sacredness back to pleasure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. yeah, that that challenge was so good. I fell off the bandwagon as I so often do <laughs> with the other things on my plate, but I intend to revisit it. It will be there. Yeah. Today we wanted to talk about self-discovery, navigating it, how you do that, and really just kind of bringing it back to our own stories because we know when we tell stories, that's how people see themselves right we see ourselves in other people's stories and that's how we maybe find some little moments of learning or discovery personally is when we listen to others tell stories so we're going to start off with like our own journeys of self-discovery what got us here to this podcast do you want to kick us off I can definitely kick us off if you so please I was thinking about this as we had made the decision to make this the episode and I, I was thinking like, do we go back? Do we go way back? And something that as a projector, excuse me, as a four, six projector, I learn in periods of my life, like there's, there's distinct periods of my life that are pivotal. And I started thinking about going way back. And one of the things to me, you know, the, the woo in quotations is all about a, a rebellion but it's a rebellion with intention. And mm. that rebellion, when I really think about it, it's against the things, it's against the systems. I'm, I feel like I'm I'm back in my my punk days right now. It's against the system systems, it's against the man, it's against all of the things, the patriarchy, all of the things that keep us disconnected from who we are. So that separation, and it keeps us playing small, it keeps us falling in line, it keeps us, you know, contributing to productive society. Yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> and that's really what being part of the punk scene taught me was how to rebel against that. Now there's like, there's all this rebellion that happened, like, yes, we can really get into the, the history of, of punk. There's a really great book out there, actually. But for me and my personal experience, what really made an impact was how there was how there was a community of individuals that through a common thread in this way, it was most often music, came together to all rebel in a similar fashion, if you will. And that was in that phase of my life, in that that really pivotal and monumental phase of my life, it taught me the boundaries. It taught me like, this is too extreme and this is too vanilla. Mm. And do I want to go protest and be sprayed? Yes. And I, I did. And it taught me a lot about mainstream media at that point. Mm. So at that point in my life, I was a university student and had learned a lot about how we can inflate and really conflate stories and whatnot through imagery as a history of photography student. And so it really made me realize how it was 
that I wanted, like, what, what was my purpose? What was my mm-hmm. drive? Where was I like, who was I rebelling against? You know, mm-hmm. what, what did the man down with the man? <laughs> what did the, who was the man, you know, and really, it was still just the patriarchy. And then right. I sort of carried through what I had been taught through that. And also, it was just like, great to be a part of a community where you could speak about things that seemed a little gauche at the time. And I think that's what witchcraft really is to me as well, is like speaking against the mainstream in a lot of ways. Yeah. And then I, much later in life, found yoga. Well, actually, yoga sort of found me. I looked up on the internet what was good for allergies, because I had really terrible allergies. I had just started living with somebody. I had an allergy to cats. I know. (laughs) who am I I do have two black cats okay now things have changed I also have allergies and a cat so there you go and apparently the internet told me that yoga was good for allergies and I was like great I'm gonna go try try yoga and literally have never found that to be a true statement since then like I don't know thank you thank you universe for having that divine intervention so I started practicing yoga and quickly after that I started teaching yoga and then a few years after that, I started teaching teachers how to teach yoga. And that was a point in my life where I really got into how our body is not an apology. Thank you for that, Instagram. Mm. Number two, that I am not here to make you comfortable. Mm. And I think in my punk phase, there was this whole bit about like, of course, there was discomfort for people around you. Like, of course, my mother was like, oh, honey, we just want you to be safe. Of course you do, mama. Of course you do. And yoga taught me how to bring that rebellion to an internal and embodied experience where unapologetically we could be in present in any uh, crowd, if you will, in any situation. And so teaching yoga really taught me a lot about like my spirit, the human spirit in general. I really loved the history of yoga. Again, just give like, give me the history of anything. And I'm, I'm into this really. And what really stood out to me in these moments in my life, learning yoga was just how incredible it was to be around other people who in their own way were also, I guess, rebelling against whatever it was that society the patriarchy the man whoever was telling you to be which was go 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 to work go home make dinner watch tv go to bed and it also really taught me a lot in that in that sort of phase of my life it really taught me a lot about medicine Mm -hmm. how we can heal so I had a bunch of experiences during that time I feel like I like missed out on my punk phase as being like sober (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, there was there was there was a thing about sobriety at, at that point in my life as well. And then the phase of my life where yoga really came in was like getting high off life. Right. Was. I mean, there was some other things sometimes in there mixed in there, but get high, getting high off life and how we could use our mind and our breath to just completely change our state. Which is mm-hmm. really cool. As a little like, here's a little history history lesson for you in yoga, is that yogis were feared much like witches were feared, mm-hmm. and they were feared because when they came into towns as like traveling yogis, when you came into town, other people could see how quickly you could shift your state. Mm-hmm. Something in yoga, 
a Sanskrit word called cities. And cities is shape shifter. It's the ability to change your state. And I think this is exactly what yoga does. Like you're in a, you're in a pissy mood. Okay, I'm going to go to yoga and, and we're going to work this. We're going to stretch this out of us, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, for a little while, I also had a community. Actually, I think it might still exist on Facebook. I should, I should resurrect it. A community called Get Bent and Work Out Your Kinks. Which was a I love it. Clear yoga community. That was a really, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm remembering. That was a really long time right now. Somebody go check to see if that still exists. And it probably has like a thousand spam messages in there because it's just a, a rogue group now. But it really taught me a lot about who I was and how I reacted to things. That was a huge difference for me, like the response versus reaction. And then I I picked up a lot about plant medicine in many different ways during my yogic phase, which was a a very long phase. And it still exists to to this day. (laughs) Yeah. I really started to, to think about like, how can we... How can we use our knowledge to work against the grain, not for the sake of just working against the grain? Like that's rebellion for me is not just like, okay, we're throwing a tantrum and no one's paying attention to me. This is not what we're talking about here. We're talking about why are you rebelling? Like what is it that doesn't align with who you are? And this really as well, got me into a lot of conversations around like divine feminine masculine energy because there's two different parts of your yoga practice which is the the receiving and the giving it's the the outward showiness of the party tricks that we call yoga or aesthetics yeah and then yeah the poses the poses And then we have this whole internal landscape that is happening at the exact same time where we could be in masculine energy of ego, just go, 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 try to push harder, try to put your foot behind your head or the divine feminine energy of like, let's see how this unfolds. So my yoga, my yoga phase, if you will, my continued yoga phase is just something that like, wow, it really, it really made a huge impact in my life. Do you practice yoga? I've practiced for quite some time. I can't remember what I picked it up. I'm always on again, off again. I studied yoga in my first degree because I did, took religious studies. So I've I've studied the eight limbs from a textual perspective, more of like a scholastic perspective. And I still love it. I, I love the power of getting into the moment and in your body. I, re- I do remember a shift at some point in my practice where I stopped caring like actually stopped caring what anybody else in the room might think Mm. I'm not very flexible never have been and so there's lots of poses I can't really do my knees are kind of funny so I'm always I used to be self-conscious that my knees would point in and like or my toes would point out it didn't matter what I did and there was a point at which I just stopped full-on caring I just I stopped watching other people in the room unless it was to be like oh cool look what they're doing that's cool and but the judgment disappeared at some point yeah yeah that's a magical moment that's it I remember they started yoga and the studio that I went to ended up doing a 30-day practice like a 30-day challenge probably I don't know two or three days later and Mm -hmm. I said to myself I'm gonna try the 30-day challenge like I've done two classes also 
my experience with yoga, the third, the second or third class that I did was called core yoga, which I thought basics, like we're, we're in the mm. core of things. It does not mean core yoga people. Oh no. Or core <laughs> means just ab work for one hour of hell. And I loved it. I literally was just like, this is amazing. I hate this right now. Like I'm so mad. I'm so angry. And I can't wait to complete this to be like, I did a core yoga class. My yoga teacher, who was my favorite, used to routinely be like, let's hold plank for 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Quite <laughs> literally 10 minutes. He'd put on songs and he'd just like, yeah, like come on, you're, you're not going to stop now, are you? Just like, Kevin, stop. <laughs> we've, we've, been, we've come this far. I'm not a 10 minute plank, but I've been known to to crack a lot of jokes in my yoga class. So I just think like that, what that really taught me was how how to be with myself. And I think that a lot of witchcraft and the practice is how to be with yourself, like how to be with that discomfort, what it is that you need to do and shift and and how you can think about it. You know, there was a lot of shifts when it came to my yoga practice, a lot of like, I feel like I became a different person in dealing with stress in my life. And it was like, it was totally an inside job. It was definitely an inside mm. job. Yeah, I would definitely have memories of going back to yoga after some hiatus or other. Specifically one time midway through one of my degrees, I don't know which one. (laughs) I hadn't been to yoga for a while, like over a year. And I went and got into Shavasana at the end and just started bawling. I was like, oh my gosh, okay, there was some stuff there. I need to move my body more often. And, And I'm kind of back into that place of okay, how do I make this part of my life again? I was really quite dedicated to my practice before COVID and also very particular to my teacher who owned the studio that I went to. And he closed the studio not very long into COVID. He saw the writing on the wall and closed. And I haven't been to a group class since then. And there's magic in the group. And partly maybe that's my projectoriness coming out. I guess it's not specific to projectors, but my environment is marketplaces. And so I really feed off of the vibe and the energy of other people around me. I get really lit up by it. So I really struggle. I do practice yoga on my own at home. I have an app, but like I'll skip the postures that are hard and (laughs) because there's nobody keeping me accountable. And I just find it lacking in a little bit of potency and depth for me yeah that's I totally hear that I'm definitely like I prefer a group class rather than on an app and then my personal practice of just doing what I feel called to that's another thing that really like in honing my intuition of like what comes next what comes Mm. next what comes next in -hmm. terms of my own yoga practice and how to teach a class I'm definitely somebody who likes to know the rules so I can break them. I'm like, give me all of the parameters and I will tell you where there's an energetic leak here. Mm, You and I are similar that way. (laughs) And that's my true rebellion. Tell me the rules and then I'm going to break every single one of them. Okay. Yeah. This isn't efficient people. I know a better way. (laughs) Yes. I know a better way. So I think that my yoga practice was really in the study of yoga was really just this beautiful experience in my life that I got to dive deep into a a rebellion like a a total Mm -hmm. rebellion I think that yogis are super rebellious I mean yeah you've got the person who's just like they're in the matching suit which I love a matching set okay my friends don't at me but 
that's just there for the for like the green juice and the the matching set and like the shavasana which i have i have been there just for the shavasana yeah and i just think that there's there's like the the alchemical reaction of a, a group class is so magical as well like you never know as a teacher you never know who's going to show up to your class and then when you get there and look at everybody the plan that you had is just the most garbage plan you've ever made because it's not going to be like there's so much more that can happen whenever you have the people um mm-hmm. in the room when you have your students sitting in front of you so that was a big thing and then as I started to sort of continue to deepen my experience with yoga there was there was always been like from my punk my punk days until present day there's been this like discomfort that I until later on coming into the third phase of my life that I couldn't quite put my finger on and this phase is like the true rebellion and I feel like the act this is like literally in my email signature the act of caring for yourself is rebellious mm-hmm. the most rebellious thing you can do is give the middle finger to people who think they know better than you do mm-hmm. now do we need to go outside of ourselves sometimes to be able to learn that absolutely I have I have brilliant mentors I have brilliant teachers like I know what I know because I went to other people to have them reflect back to me what it was that I already knew. Like that's the brilliance for me. And so mm-hmm. this current day phase of my life in quotations phase is really the rebellion of getting back to who we really are. And I think this is like, this is part of the work that we do in the embodied program that I'm launching. It's part of the work that I do in my everyday life of just like, this is, how can you be so dialed in to what your needs are and to what you need without the permission of parentals, besties, society, patriarchy, boss? And how can you do that to the best of your ability? Like, that's really where we are. It's like the, the, the rebellion continues. Mm-hmm. And I think it's especially so in this phase and last phase, a, a big part of this was was nutrition for me was like growing your own food how can you care for yourself by whatever it is that you put in your body I love that piece I don't think I ever really attributed growing my own food to rebellion or maybe I did I don't know I I don't have a yard anymore where I grow very much because I just don't have the space I do have herbs and stuff but I gardened a lot in my past life and it was a sense of reclaiming the ability to feed myself yeah there's something powerful in that and also like railing against big agriculture and all of the systems that be (laughs) that that keep us in the grind and keep capitalism running and extracting and all of those really nasty practices I feel you so the final thing in this this sort of like phase of my life in quotations right now that's really been introduced is ceremony. And I think this has been like, like creeping in little by little everywhere I turned for many, many years, because I think yoga is a ceremony. Like our yoga practice is ceremonial. You know, we have bhakti yogis who it's just ceremony where there's a devotion, like a singing and devotion or karma yogis. Like it's just a ceremony. And this last phase, what's been so amazing is two episodes ago we talked about the sisterhood wound and really healing and being in sisterhood with 
so many women is like the literal magic that I needed in my life. And I think even us coming together Mm -hmm. to do this podcast in the last few years, so many things have come into my life that have been exactly what I needed in terms of community. And now here we are even building Mm -hmm. Woo Crew as we go along, you know, this is, this is really what it is. And ceremony to me, the, the magic of ceremony is just the quantum leaps that we can do. I did therapy for many, many years and I love my therapist. If you need a, th- a therapy recommendation in BC, you just reach out to me. And there is nothing that I can do in therapy that is like the quantum leaps that are done through ceremony. Temple ceremony in particular is just this opportunity for us to really lay down everything from the outside world and make those quantum leaps on the inside world through ritual, through coming together, through meditation, through practices. And there is no other way to describe it but magic and alchemical magic. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Sitting in ceremony is, it is, it's truly magical and creating those spaces where we can come together and connect. My wheel of the year ceremonies have just been getting more and more deep and juicy. And as the women keep coming, there's a few people who come to like every single one and really starting to trust the space. It was interesting. I had an explicit conversation with one of them who has come to pretty much every single one. We're also in like friends outside of that. And she was saying she really struggles. She she holds space for people, no problem. She's not uncomfortable with other people sharing, but she struggles to share and to be vulnerable. And she's starting to feel like she feels safe to do so in that space, which is like the deepest honor to be able to hold that space where women feel safe opening up to each other. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's such a difference between like holding space and being seen. Mm-hmm. Those are complete like almost opposite ends of the spectrum mm-hmm. because as caregivers it's really I want to say like natural it's not always easy there's a natural instinct to hold space for people to heal and I, I think that's one of the things I really admire about a lot of the healers in my life for being women it's just it's it's just like oh it's just cozy in there mm-hmm. but being seen that's that's some that's some serious healing that that happens whenever you're seen yeah yeah it's potent it's scary af but it, or it can be for many of us. Tell me a little bit about what brought you to where we are today. Yeah, sure. My own self-discovery path. Oh, it's interesting that you started off by saying you, your life lessons have gone in kind of stages or phases. I also have a six line in my projector profile. I'm a three six. And so I also have this sense of kind of like, yes, there are these like coming into myself stages. And when I think about it, obviously you could break it into many, many, but there was a really big shift that happened when I started what really felt like the beginning of my my actual self-discovery journey when I was in the depths of my marriage, which I'm sure I've already referenced on here <laughs> and probably will get referenced many more times, but it was a deeply unhappy place for me to be. And I was struggling really hard because I was trying so hard to be good and take care of his needs and not hurt him and do what society told me I should. I knew I didn't want to get married before my wedding, but I couldn't call it off because everybody was already coming. 
oh my poor little self <laughs> now now I'm like let's have a party everybody can come <laughs> it's not gonna be the party you thought you were coming to but so I I really started with therapy in that relationship was kind of my first introduction to anything self-discovery self-help navigating that whole world I remember my first therapist recommending the gifts of imperfection by Brene oh. Brown to me and I had must read. <laughs> yes I had never felt so deeply seen in my life I was like what it's not just me which is her entire point so that was like my, my first entry into this world of discovering myself and to keep a very long story short eventually years into my marriage I finally finally had done enough work and also self-destruction and was just at the end of my rope that it was enough and I finally left I, I made the leap and it was interesting because when I first started to go to therapy, I also started meditating around the same time. And so just even getting out of my head and into my body was kind of foreign to me. I've always had a, a fairly good sense of my body and space. My mom does a lot of body work. I, I grew up riding horses. My mom teaches. She teaches something called centered riding, which is all about like how your body impacts the horse. And I've done something called Alexander technique, which is another body use technique. So I've had good body awareness, but not good emotional body awareness. Mm. I think that was the difference. I'm I am an Aquarius sun and moon, and I'll be damned if those emotions didn't piss me off every time I had to feel them. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was really a lot of starting to learn how to reconnect my intuition. My intuition was screaming at me by in the form of heartburn, but I couldn't hear it. I had no idea. When my mom said, I only get heartburn when I'm stressed, I was like, I'm not stressed, except that I was so stressed. I was so, so stressed because I was trying so hard to make something work that was really broken and wasn't for me. So that was the first kind of really big like, oh, and then I had most of a year until COVID hit of diving into just liberated self-exploration, feeling like I was in a place in life where I actually had some confidence again and really sinking into that. I was wild. <laughs> I, on my weeks off call, I was a bit wild. <laughs> I traveled a ton. <laughs> yeah. It happens when you come out of a long relationship or a hard relationship like that. Even if it wasn't you who ended it, usually once there's a healing that happens, there's a bit of a switch that goes like, oh my gosh, I'm me again. <laughs> and then COVID happened and COVID brought to light everything that was not healed for me that I was kind of masking with this, like, I'm going to go away every other weekend and I'm going to, you know, drink and I'm going to have fun with other things and like just generally suck all of the juice out of life. But that was keeping me afloat. And when COVID hit and I no longer could go out for breakfast after all, all night birth, I couldn't travel. I couldn't do all these other things that would fill my tank back up and, and allow me to keep coping with that job. It was like this come to Jesus moment. <laughs> and I use that term very uh, on purpose Mary. in this setting. Yeah, come to Mary moment. Let's be real. Yeah. Come to Mary moment. Oh, I just started reading the Madonna secret last 
night and it's so good. Anyways, another book. But this is when I was like, I need, I need something. I I wasn't ready to leave the job. I had no idea what I was going to do. I was like, I want to learn. I don't want to go back to school again. And I stumbled across, quite literally stumbled across a life coaching course because a friend of mine was in it. And she kept writing these really beautiful blog posts, reflecting on what she was learning in this class. I didn't even know what a life coach was. I had no idea. It's like, what is a life coach? And I Googled it and I was like, ooh. There's some really nasty clickbait out there if you Google life coaching course. But I trusted my friend and the course that she had come through. It's called the Center for Applied Neuroscience. So immediately I was like, well, this sounds pretty legit. And it is and it was. And I I enrolled for that initially to just grow and learn. And it, along with Wild Medicine Healers Training, these things happened at the same time because I also was like, I want to be in Nadine's energy. I think energy healing is actually totally made up but I just want to spend time with this woman that's where I was at when I entered it and I kind of went into both programs at the same time in order to grow in order to start learning and who I was and how I could reconnect with these feel like these feelings that kept bubbling up and I'm like what are these things these sensations these nudges I guess now I call it intuition and deep knowings and connection to source and all of those things. But at at that time I had no words for it. So that was like my, my real big embarking onto a deep journey of transformation and self-discovery was having that space. There's so many silver linings that come out of COVID. It was horrible and it was awful and life would have been absolutely different if it hadn't happened in some ways that might've been good in some ways that really would have been unfortunate probably for me personally what I love about this is that like through the stillness of the pandy what what the pandy did for us was was took away like you said all of the distractions that we could no longer cope with it took away a lot of our coping mechanisms Mm -hmm. and showed us all that we had left Mm -hmm. and all that we had left sometimes are things that is literally nothing is tethering us to anything we have no we have no bigger meaning or purpose in life yeah yeah I actually when I think about my favorite summers ever that first summer of COVID was actually my favorite summer ever because there was nowhere to go there were no plans and I just spent the whole summer every chance I got down at the river swimming and laying in the sun and reading in the park. And there was just, it was the first time in my life I'd had so much spaciousness, so much downtime and learning how to fill it with things like journaling and meditation and reading and just being present. Good stuff. Yeah, really good stuff. I actually think fondly of that summer often, (laughs) remarkably. And then the, the next kind of phase, I guess, was really coming out of these two programs, this medicine training, coaching training, and realizing I needed to leave midwifery behind and stepping into the path that I'm on now and this phase or stage (laughs) of life, which is really carrying on so much of what I loved about midwifery, which is holding space for people, being present with them, Mm -hmm. holding a space for empowerment, I think there's a lot of just like that rooting, grounding energy to share with people Mm -hmm. that I love doing. And 
taking it on this this new level of okay now I have words for my intuition now I have words for what those nudges and that connection was now I have words for the like entirely indescribable magic of what sometimes happened between me and my clients in birth rooms Mm. it's like that energy medicine was always there I just I can now identify it and call on it at will I, I love, this is the thing, the, the reason I think that witchery and, um, you know, our intuition and all of the elements that we often think about when it comes to like ceremony, divination, you know, oracle, when it comes to all of the elements that we have in our practices, this is something that I think is really missing is like, I think the reason why we don't know how witchy we really are is because we don't yet have the words. It's just mm-hmm. normal. It's just normal. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I agree that having the words, having the, a way to speak about whatever it is, that's just like, wow, what was that je ne sais quoi that, that is this third in the room? That's called magic. Yes. That's what that is, people. It's called magic. Yeah, very much so. Call yeah. it what you like, but we know what it is. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> And I've already kind of mentioned in my, how, what got me here, my kind of big three phases, a few books, because books have been integral to my self-discovery journey. For me, and I think I share this with a lot of people, they are a really potent way of accessing ideas or information about ourselves that sometimes we can't access unless somebody gives us words, as you just mentioned, to describe them and to connect in with them. And I think you can read eight different books on the same topic and get something different out of each of them. So I I never feel like I don't want to read the, the latest book on manifestation, for instance, <laughs> like or money magic or whatever it might be, which is a wonderful thing. If you're thinking about writing books, it doesn't matter if it's been written, you haven't written it. Exactly. So yeah, let's chat a little bit about a few of the books along our paths that we have found to be life-changing. And this is like a really great moment to drop the hint that there's a book club coming. There is a book. Woo crew. Woo crew. There's a book (laughs) club coming. Why don't we go back and forth? Tell me what you're, what you're like, I don't know. Can we really say what your number one, I guess we can. Tell me what your number one book is. Yeah, I mean, it is hard to decide, but the one that immediately jumped into my mind when we started talking about this was If Women Rose Rooted by Sharon Blackie. And I, mm, profound. (laughs) Short answer, Cole's notes, profound. Go read it. Yeah, it's a, it's a very rooted in in Celtic wisdom and traditions in Celtic lands, which speaks deeply to me because... I that is my ancestry that's my heritage it's the it's the part of the world that calls to my bones and there's also just a lot of wisdom there in Celtic traditions we still have some really good threads that trace us back to the divine feminine and when women had the power that they did whereas in some traditions we've really lost the thread or it's a lot harder to follow there the traditions are still kind of alive and well just underneath the surface so I think that's part of why that book was so powerful and she just writes so beautifully yeah I loved that one too what about you the first book that came to mind was the women who run with the wolves and I read this book like 
literally I read this book because of the, the cover of the book. Like it's black and it's got a wolf on it. And I just have an adoration of wolves that will carry me into death. And I started reading it and I literally was like, are you fucking kidding me? The book is all about different ways that the patriarchy has won, if you will. That storytelling, especially around the female character, has become so woven into our threads mm. of things like how the literal power for women is taken away from them. I read this quote this morning that went something along the lines of like, you know, the, the female sexual power is something that is so stripped from the individual, like so stripped from women, but so revered by men, you know? Like, mm -hmm. don't be too powerful unless the bedroom door closes. Then the vixen can come out. The whore can, can emerge, as we talked about last week in our, in our episode. And so a woman who run with the wolves was just this exact rebellion. And at that moment, I was just like, having a time. None of this really occurred to me that this was going to be so impactful on a lot of the future work that I do with women. But it, it really just like, Cole's notes, go read it. Mm -hmm. And there's probably lots of similar themes. I haven't actually read that one and it is high on my list. Oh. On my list of 233 books to read. That's how big <laughs> my list is. Uh, <laughs> but it's up, it's up definitely in the top 10. If yeah. you don't believe that Eileen has 230 some books on her list, please find her on what's the app called? Goodreads. <laughs> Goodreads. She convinced me to go on Goodreads and then and then make a list of I'm just so terrible at updating the app. I should actually I've read a couple of books since going on it I, to, mm. to update the books, which literally were not on the list of books I wanted to read. Like <laughs> that happens to me all the time. Yeah. But also I update my books all the time because it gives me that fun little dopamine hit to be like, oh, I've updated my progress on this book. <laughs> Ooh. So if you're curious what five to eight books I'm reading at any given time, you can find me over there. Because you can't just see it on my bedside table, which literally last night I, I thought to myself, like, I can't have all these books here. Like, I need to put some of these on the shelf. And I was like, no, what if I want to read a page from this book mm -hmm. or that book? It's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's the next one for you that uh, made a big impact? The next one is quite a recent book, actually. And it's funny because as I was sitting here, I'm like, oh, themes, themes of rootedness and place being important. I was just recording my first week of Unleash Your Inner Witch again. We just started again today and I was recording today's lesson. And I was talking a lot about the importance of place because the homework I give for that week is like making a connection and a relationship with your place. And so if Women Rose Rooted speaks to that, the name gives that away. But The Flowering Wand is the second book I have on my list. It's by Sophie Strand. The subtitle is Rewilding the Sacred Masculine. Ooh. Oh, yeah. It's fungal. Oh, <laughs> like, hello. Legitimately. It's just not hard. Right? <laughs> it's, she is, she writes historical fiction as well, but she is a poet, basically. It's beautiful and she takes all of these myths very common known myths of various deities in this case male deities although obviously female deities show up and she resituates them and and follows the threads back to before the patriarchy 
again, there's a lot of Dionysus. He shows up a ton because he's fairly, yeah, he's he's not of the patriarchy. <laughs> Let's just say <laughs> little androgynous, a lot wild, and also very much uh, of the places that he pops up. She talks about gods and goddesses popping up like the fruiting bodies of fungi in different places in the world. And so it was one that made me think about all of the ways that the masculine has been stripped from men as well and from religion or spirituality. It tied well, very different, but also I feel like they fit together with The Love of Men by Liz Plank, which is all about toxic masculinity and how it negatively impacts men in society today. So one is a very like, this is information for you about the exact state of the world right now. And then the flowering wand is like, here's some poetry about ancient gods. <laughs> I love, I love the idea. I really, it's the flowering wand is now on my list. I've never read it. It's not that long either. It's really good. I feel like it's a good like accompaniment to the women who run with the wolves. Mm-hmm. I suspect most of our books are going to be. <laughs> true. Very true. Good accompaniments. What's the next second, for you? The second book on my list is Witch by Lisa Lester, which is a more recent book as well. And the reason that this book, I th- oh, the reason that this book is on my list is because I think it lays out a really simple and yet sacred practice of the witch in that book and she has another book that I just picked up as well self-sorcery and I think what what she really does so well is lay out how to practice some witchery without it being like blood of goat eye of toad you know right yeah there's no sacrifice well there's i mean i feel like there's a sacrifice in a lot of things but there's nothing sacrificial Mm -hmm. if you will in the book and i think it's just a really beautiful simple guide for somebody who is curious about what being a witch really is Mm, i love that yeah i've read a couple books about witchcraft but they were they were pretty surface level it felt like they were both illustrated which are lovely but I I haven't delved too deeply into books with which in the title partly because for me it is so much about like if women rose rooted was all about witchcraft in my mm. in my mind right like it's that connection to earth to our bodies to the cycles all of that stuff yes for sure and speaking of that kind of like simple magic the way that it just is and can be part of our daily lives I'd love to mention braiding sweet grass here I cried at the end of every single chapter (laughs) every every now and then I'd get to like the last paragraph and be like oh I haven't cried this time and then something would get me in the last last paragraph I shouldn't say I cried at the end of every chapter I cried in every chapter but the few times when I thought I was gonna get through the whole chapter without crying I I did not (laughs) so it was it's so beautiful if if any of you listening haven't read it I highly recommend it but there was a story Ellie when I mentioned this book to her yesterday she was like oh you know what I really love and I was like the dad pouring out the coffee grounds (laughs) 
so if you're not familiar with the book, if you haven't read it, she tells the story of camping with her dad when she was young. And part of the morning ritual would be to offer the first sip of coffee to the ancestors, to the land, to the spirits. And how magical and potent and beautiful that was to her. And then how later in life she realized also they were making cowboy coffee that the first kind of like splash of coffee was full of grounds. And so it was also like they had to pour out that first sip of coffee because nobody wants a mouthful of coffee grounds when they're, <laughs> they're drinking. So it it was this beautiful marriage of something that, that was going to get done anyways, but turning what could just be like a really casual, almost wasteful practice into something sacred and meaningful yeah I love that one. I actually was just thinking as well her like her dedication like the, the book is full of beauty like it's full of mundane beauty it's what it is mm -hmm. it's like everyday life and how can we make it magical mm -hmm. and I was just thinking today again about this book and how like her dedication to pulling out all the weeds in the pond oh yeah come on I'm, I'm like tearing up right now, like how beautiful her dedication to that was, you know? Mm. And so, yeah, it's time to reread that book. It's a, it's also actually, I have it both in book format and on Audible and I absolutely love listening to her read it. Um, oh, she reads it. I should get that one. It's lovely. So, and I think mm. it's like a 13 or 14 hour read. So it's, it's a like, it's a, it's a commitment. It's great. Yeah. So the next book on my list is Mary Magdalene Revealed. And this book was so eye-opening for me because as somebody who grew up in an agnostic household, I didn't have the background of religion. And reading this book was like, it literally had me like cheering and, and in some ways like cursing some of the story just because of how incredible the teachings of Mary Magdalene is and how powerful they are and therefore have been hidden, have been tucked away, have been, you know, this comes back to the sister circle notion of like, we learn from being in community with each other. This is the, the brilliance for me of like, of having that, that sisterhood and having that ceremony together. Mm -hmm. Mary Magdalene re revealed really emphasize the power of women coming together and healing. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, beautiful. I love that. the The novel I'm reading right now, which is by Sophie Strand, who wrote The Flowering Wand, is about Mary Magdalene. So yeah, good. historical fiction. It's gonna be juicy. <laughs> <laughs> Are we moving into a grand reveal? What are surprises for for this week? Yeah, we should. Okay. So we, yeah, so we've dropped some hints uh, about a book club. And it's not just a book club. It's part of a larger collaborative offering that we have for you. Yes. And we're so excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm diving in. It's Do it. I'm, I'm going there. Will crew, listen up. We got a thing for you. We made a Patreon. We want more of you. And we've heard from you. You want more of us. And so we've set out this absolutely incredible community that is going to be live by the time that you're listening to this right now. You can go into the show notes, click the link, and come join us. But the elements of what our community are going to include are, Eileen, do you want to talk to us a little bit about some of those elements? 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. So as aforementioned, a book club. So every month we will have a new book. We'll tell you about it kind of two weeks a week before the end of the prior month. So you can get your hands on it. We'll be dropping a few reading prompts through the month. And then we're going to have an actual live on Zoom book club. All of our Patreon members are welcome to join us live and chat about the book, what came up, questions, feelings, you know, all of those things, but live interacting. It will, of course, be recorded for anybody who can't attend that live. We're also going to have Ellie doing some new moon readings live. So excited about that. Oracle readings for anybody who shows up live. I do these now for the full moon in another community and I adore doing them. So I'm going to come in and do new moon readings in our Patreon community and our Woo crew. That is for anybody anybody who does show up live will get a card and they want a card. We're going to talk about the elements of the new moon. We're going to talk about some of the the things that might be going on in our life in that exact moment with the, the energetics of the sun, moon and stars. And then we're going to dive into pulling cards. Mm -hmm. And for anybody who has had cards pulled by Ellie, she's magic at this. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. We're also going to have seasonal rituals for you. I have seasonal guidebooks for each of the eight wheel of the year ceremonies. And anybody who is inside of the Patreon will be gifted those at each turn of the wheel, along with some altar tips, like a build an altar with me. So I'll be doing the wheel of the year altar changes and I'll either record a video or I might make a little like photo library guide of what's going on my altar why so that you can get inspiration for building your own and Ellie will be building some altars as well yes we'll do some archetypal art altars as we go out and then the shout outs I think shout that outs. Everybody, wants, everybody loves I love a shout out you'll also get a shout out on the podcast for being part of our book crew on our patreon you will indeed. And we will also be doing a monthly group. This is the this is the thing, people. This is what you've been asking for. This is the literal reason why you go to the link in our show notes and you're going to be like, yes, I want this. It is a monthly anything goes witchery woo crew community gathering where you're going to be able to ask Eileen and I questions. We're going to talk about probably a host of things. Let's say we're going to try to keep it to an hour, but we're going to see how that goes. And that's <laughs> going to be exclusive to anybody who is a, a Patreon in our community. Yes. Yes. I'm so excited about that. Eventually we're going to have stickers. We don't have them now, but they're coming. Okay. And if you are a Patreon member, you will get one or many <laughs> when they arrive. And I'm also working on some tote bags and some mugs and other things that we'll be able to offer at different levels of patron, patron, patrons on our Patreon. Yes, totally. And there will probably be more, as our mentors, Kayla and Nicole, like to say, delights and surprises. <laughs> ah, that's exactly what they are. Definitely. So you can Is find there... that link in our show notes to become part of our Woo Crew. And we're so excited. We're really just so excited to be a part of this. It is going to be 11 11 for every month that you're a part of our Patreon. Beautiful number. Coming through. Who can resist? Who can resist? <laughs> As always, we're also going to drop all the links to our various 
personal offerings that are happening down below in the show notes. But for now, we just want you to really go run over to Patreon and get in there because we can't wait to start connecting with you in real life on Zoom. In real life. <laughs> in real life on Zoom. <laughs> Thank you so much, Boo Crew, for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead to wherever you listen to your episodes, actually go to Apple Podcasts because that's where you can leave a review. Leave us a lovely five-star review. We're going to start reading them out on the pod so maybe you'll hear yourself. And as always, if you have questions, come connect with us over on Instagram. You can find us at the Woo Curious Podcast. And uh, we will see you next week. We'll see you next time. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much, everyone. (laughs) 